You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listeners, to episode 121 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. It's me, last name guy, Nathan Van Horn, and I am here once again uh, with the Reverend Matt, whose last name we don't use for some reason, and our returning special guest, Caitlin Flowers, first and last name. Welcome to that club. Uh, Caitlin, you've got one episode under your belt. How do you, How does it feel, sister? Uh, excellent question. I'll let you know in uh, three to five business days. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, <laughs> You'll let us know after mom listens to the podcast and, you know. That's it. Yeah, a- after my whole family ribs me, yes, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good for the soul, sister. It's good for the soul. Uh, well, we, we certainly want to welcome Caitlin, but listener, we also want to welcome you. Uh, we want you to feel right at home. So if you have not already, please like, subscribe, share, do all those things, star uh, to the podcast. If you're feeling particularly generous, uh, we love those written reviews. Please email into the show. We get a lot out of that. Um, but those written reviews really help uh, the algorithm uh, promote the podcast and bring in uh, new listeners. Uh, we do this uh, not for any money whatsoever. We do this just to hopefully uh, get people excited about reading the Bible. So if you can help us with that project, we appreciate it so much. Um, well, we are going to come back to Genesis chapter 24 this 67 verse chapter today and we're going to pick up uh where we left off in this saga of finding um a wife for isaac uh the rebecca saga and caitlin you did such a good job reading last week matt can we can we agree that she gets the uh the good reader merit badge good reader merit badge of reading i think that was 18 verses so i you know what Caitlin, we're going to let you carry the water this week, too. You can go all the way, all the way from verse 29 to verse 67. What a chauvinistic thing for me to do. We have we have 10 camels worth of reading for you to do. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, uh, Gandalf, uh, find a 3D printer. If one of us has one, you're that guy. Find a 3D printer and get this girl a merit badge. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. But, but, it's so true. But, Caitlin, if you want to get us into the text today. Uh, at your leisure, sister, take us there from the ESV. All right. Chapter 24, verses 29 through 67, as always, from the ESV. That's right. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, he, and he heard the words of Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. 
The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me to the right who had led me by the right way to take the daughter to of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to a show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing that has come from the Lord, we cannot speak to you, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you, take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord, and the servant brought out jewelry and silver and go- of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they all called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer lahai Roi, and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Mm. And Caitlin's like, I'm out. I'm not saying anything for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Man, what a beautiful story. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I just feel like and Kate, there are so Caitlin many needs, threads that pull tight on this. Caitlin needs 50 gallons of water now because her mouth is so dry after reading all those verses. 
I will settle for a sip from my water bottle. There it is. <laughs> Gulping Dasani yeah. in the background. That's right. So it's one of the things that's interesting to me about this mm-hmm. is that there's like little nuggets and details in here that are going to connect back and forward. Oh, yeah. Lots of uh, them. Yeah. So well, one of the ones that uh, one of my favorite passages and stories of the Bible is this, the life of Jacob. This is going to be the son of mm-hmm. Isaac and Rebekah. So when... In this text, he's talking about the angel, the Lord before whom, and this is verse 40, but he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked, I will send his angel with you and prosper your way. This is exactly what Jacob says when he's blessing Ephraim and Manasseh at the end of Genesis. And this is Genesis 48, 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless these boys. So it, it's it's the whole idea of seeing not just God, but his angel. And I don't think that those are two different characters. It's, it's referencing the Lord in two different ways, that it is the angel speaking specifically with, with how God met me right where I was and ministered to me. This, this is going to be a theme that reoccurs and reoccurs. Mm. And Caitlin, uh, you mentioned, I remember uh, the last time we recorded uh, that uh, when you were working through this material in preparation to record a few episodes with us, that that was precisely the verse that stood out to you, not just pointing you to the Jacob story, but pointing you to the Exodus story. One of those little things that I look out for is an angel I've sent before you. So definitely Exodus material. (laughs) Yeah. So um, one of these is uh, more not Old Testament and New Testament. It's just like I even think of just specifically within Genesis. We're introduced to someone in this story, uh, Rebecca's brother, by the name of we, – we, we're we used to calling him Laban, right? In, in Hebrew, his name is Laban. Uh, but Laban, it is so funny for me because later on down the road, he will have shady dealings with one of Rebecca's sons, right? Jacob, Yaakov. Mm-hmm. Um but it's interesting how uh, Laban enters this story. Uh, as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelet on his sister's arms and heard the words, all right, these dudes got money. Uh, hey, please make yourselves at home in our camp, right? Um, and his oh. brother isn't like that. Oh, yes. Oh, oh casting shade the, on Eli. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention are numbers. The fact it's 10 camels, 10 gold rings, and not that the numbers themselves have significance, and but when you see them repeated, that's right. It's meant to communicate in this passage, excess, yeah, wealthy, prosperous. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's a lot of rings. That's a and, lot of camels. And and it's, it's it's interesting how you're seeing that because you know in in the ancient world, uh, navigating a bride price and navigating suitable, especially if you were a family of substance, who's a who's worthy to marry into your family and who's worthy to give your daughter to, uh, because man, you'd hand your daughter over. You may never see her again. I mean, they're, they're taking her back on a journey. That's hundreds of miles. Right. Um, mm. um, now they, we know that this is not the last interaction between these families, but I'm just saying in the ancient world, um, you, you were trying to show the, uh, magnitude of your clan, of your family, of your tribe, uh, and, and things like this. So it's interesting, you know, they, they, Laban sees the wealth, uh, both uh, 
through the jewelry on his sister and he hears her report. He knows about the camels. Uh, and then he tries to show their ability to provide for them. Uh, you know, they came to the house, they unharnessed the camels, they give them straw and fodder. And they're, here comes the water again. This is a big one for me. Right. This is a big part of the story uh, because this is tying into stuff we've talked about earlier, uh, both on the provision front. Again, there's a well in Mesopotamia or Aram Naharayim. There's water in a place you wouldn't expect water. That's provision. It's not just stagnant water. To your point last episode, it is living water. This is a spring. This is they, they have so much water that they were able to, on the spot, water 10 camels up to 50 gallons apiece. And there's not just enough water for that and for them to drink. There's also more water to do what? Wash oh, wa- his wash feet. feet. Yeah. And the feet of the men who were with him, the servant. Uh, you would never travel alone in antiquity. Travel was so dangerous. Uh, and so not only and to wash. still is. Yeah, there it yeah, is. That's true. Um, but uh, travel, uh, excuse me, uh, not only to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then they, they lay out the feast before them. There was food set before them. When When's the last time, Caitlin, as a listener of the show, when's the last time we had a scene where uh, you had biblical characters saying, hey, you ain't from around here. Let me put out some food and provisions for you. Can you can you remember? Uh, lot. Yeah. yeah. When, when, a- when Abraham has the three angelic visitors, um, mm-hmm. he, he has Sarah make that quick bread because you wrote into the show about that. Remember? Um, I did mm-hmm. because um, bread is not fast. Bread is not fast. You got to get that starter loaf, right? Uh, anyway, uh, but. Abraham showed hospitality. Overwhelmingly, the people of Sodom did not show hospitality to the angelic visitors, mm-hmm. with the exception of yeah. Lot. Uh, right. So it's interesting that when we're looking for the spouse of the person who gets to uh, marry into Abraham's family, what's a really important quality for her people to have? Hospitality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and oh, I, By the way, I want to throw in here is that when it comes to being hospitable, you are talking to a wonderfully hospitable person. One of the great privileges of being pastor at First Tupelo is being the pastor of Caitlin because she's a wonderful cook that makes wonderful treats, all kinds of scones and bread and stuff like that. And she has blessed me. Nathan, you've had a few of her things. Check, are, check her stuff out on the Facebook, y'all. Check it out on the Facebook. Uh, that's right. <laughs> they truly are a treat. I love and, a good shameless truly. plug. Yeah, that's right. We do it every week, sister. <laughs> and while and while you're uh, you know, purchasing Caitlin's victuals, like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. <laughs> there it is. Um, no, but I, I th- you know, so someone might say, "Hey, yeah, that that's just incidental to the text." Um, uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern culture in general valued hospitality, but. This, this comes up too many ways in the Bible, like Jesus will focus on the lack of hospitality he receives. You know, Jerusalem not yeah. welcoming him. I think of the story at the end of Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, where Jesus is in the home of Simon the Pharisee, and uh, the, the woman in the community who's known to be a sinner comes in, and what does she start doing? She starts washing Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears, and uh, Simon, it says, when Simon saw this, he said to himself, this, uh, 
This man, if he were really a prophet, would know what kind of woman is touching him, that she is a sinner. And then Jesus flips it. Simon, do you see this woman? She's doing all the things for me that everyone in our culture knows you're supposed to do, and yet you failed to do. Uh, it, it, mm. It's uh, you know, it's precisely the, the general value on hospitality that highlights what's going on in a specific example. Um, and this is, again, this is a, this is all a story about God's provision. And so there's something bigger than what the characters recognize is happen happening. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And I, I'll go back to the gospels here in, in just a second. Um, Hey, can I, can I make one other mention about Laban here? Because one of the things that Laban is going, as we go further in the story, we're going to see that he's deceptive. There is a phrase here that is going to occur again in Genesis 31, and it's in verse 50. It says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, This thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Now, one of the things that is going to be very much later revealed in this story is Laban is crazy materialistic. Uh, in fact, he's willing to rob and cheat his own family to advance his, you know, his own personal wealth. And it's interesting to me that Laban sees the wealth here. He sees the gold rings. He sees this stuff. And he concludes here, along with his father, oh, we cannot speak good or bad to you because this is clearly from God. It's interesting that God takes this phrase and turns it on Laban in Genesis 31. Because when Laban goes to pursue Jacob mm. and Laban is upset, God tells Laban, hey, when you see him as, see him tomorrow, don't say you anything. better not speak. Yeah. Don't say anything good or bad. It's the exact same phrase. In effect, he is returning Laban's counsel on his head. <laughs> Laban, you saw it then. This was my will. You better see it now. What? Leave it alone. Hey, can, I, can I extend the narrative arc a little bit further? Please do. You're reading Genesis while you're living the Exodus. Again, the two big provisions in the wilderness in Exodus are bread and water. You have a half, mm -hmm. you're halfway through Genesis with this story, and you have a provision about water. Your, your last story in the book of Genesis involves God providing bread in a famine. And, and you have bread in a famine, uh, this, uh, and the, the precipitating event was Joseph's brothers selling him into slavery, doing something very, very bad. And then you have the good and bad language coming back in Genesis 50. <laughs> what you guys, oh, that's right. What you guys intended for ra'ah, bad, evil, right. God intended for good. I think there's a connection with the Genesis 24 language and the Genesis 31, 24 language and the Genesis 50 language. And it's, 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 it's rooted in God's provision. By the way, mm -hmm. we, we've seen this language before. Good and bad takes you all the way back to the garden, bro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where God, where God provided, and the serpent questioned God's provision. Um, so, like that's it's that's so big here, so so big, is that there there are realities greater than what even the characters recognize uh, going on in in this passage. I think. Um, hey, Caitlin, as as you've read this passage and you've thought about it in the sense of Rebecca now being brought to. Isaac. Um, so as a lover of literature and not just that, but processing the world through your frame of, of reference and experience, how does this speak to you compared to all of the love stories 
that you've read in the past. I mean, it does speak to the fact she has not actually met Isaac. She just knows, like, this man has money. Uh, <laughs> and, a, and apparently the providence of God. And you know what? Kate, Marrying Caitlin, rich is always an option. Kate, Caitlin, hashtag <laughs> know your worth flowers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, 10 camels. I, I, this I, man I, has money. I, I, I t- Caitlin, so I, I tell my wife all the time, I say, Haley, you married a pastor. If something happens to me, marry for money next time. Because you are worth it, sister. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the good news is uh, Haley will not know her worth because she'll probably never listen to this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, also, Nathan, you pointed out to us about the location of where this takes place and who is not there. Yeah. Uh, oh, so when they come back, uh, the fact that um, when you get to 62 and, you know, Rebecca is returning with the entourage, presumably led by Eleazar, it says, now Isaac had returned from Beir Lahai Rui. By the way, you killed that when you read the passage, Caitlin. I was like, listen to this sister with her Hebrew pronunciations. Um, uh, I've only heard it said so many times. Um, <laughs> the, uh, just with confidence and gusto when people go along with you. Uh, but Isaac returned from Beir Lahai Rui. Interestingly, no mention of Abraham in this passage. We haven't seen Abraham since he sent uh, his servant to secure a bride for Isaac. And then when the bride comes back to Isaac, Abraham's not mentioned as being there. And I think that's so significant because of how uh, chapter 24 ends and how chapter 25 begins. Abraham's not mentioned for the rest of 24. Isaac is comforted uh, by by bringing his wife into the tent of his mother. Uh, Rebecca, uh, you see that in, uh, in 67, then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife. And he loved her. It's it's interesting, by the way. Uh, you know, we talk about the the fairy tales thing. This is a growing conviction of mine. This is not original to me. Um, we live in a very romanticized society, and this is something that a lot of the classic fairy tales, and every now and then a Disney movie even will undercut. Everyone thinks of finding the one. Um, this passage is driven by the love of God in providing. It's after. It's interestingly after he she became his wife. And then he loved her, right? Um, if, if you had asked me when I was dating, is there one person for everyone? I probably would have said no. If you would ask me now, I can't imagine myself with anyone other than Haley. And um, I, I, gosh, we don't have time for a big treatise on dating, compat- uh, dating worldview compatibility, uh, co- shared interest and all that. But but I think part of, part of the miracle of love both in a couple and more broadly, uh, biblically speaking, in a covenant, part of the transforming miracle of love happens in the relationship, not leading up to the relationship. Hmm. Uh, so, Nathan, to your point about Abraham's absence, um, in verse 65, we see Rebecca, she's gotten down. She says, who's that man walking uh, in the field? A servant says, it's my master. And the last time that we saw him refer to a master, the master was Abraham. Ding, ding, this ding. is talking about Isaac. Ah, ding, ding, yeah. ding. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, I, I, I make that point and, and good observation from you. Abraham's, you know, after the binding of Isaac chapter in uh, 22 and sending a servant to find a bride, Abraham's action is essentially done. We will see Abraham one more time and it will be Abraham taking another wife uh, in Keturah and having many more sons only to lead up to. And we'll talk about this next time. I'm sure. Um, 
He has all these sons, only to highlight that they are not his heirs. Abraham in 25.5 gave all he had to Isaac. <laughs> but so Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. Um, Abraham's action is essentially done. So you put you have all this emphasis on finding uh, a spouse for Isaac because Isaac's the new patriarch, the new master who's going to be used of God to move the story forward. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love it. I'm on my uh, daily Bible reading right now. Um, I'm in. Let's see. I think I'm about first Kings 13. Uh, that was the sm- no first Kings 17 was this morning. Um, so it's interesting as you get to the beginning of first Kings. I'd never paid attention to this before is that. Solomon becomes king while David is still alive, and David celebrates that he is allowed to see the new king before his death, because David's understanding of 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 God's choice of using his people is it goes beyond just a single individual. It's God accomplishing his purpose, accomplishing his purposes through the family line. So this is God being faithful to Abraham by working through Isaac. Nathan, I do want you to say one other thing. Uh, when we talked earlier about gathering our thoughts, I thought this is cool. So we talked about in previous episodes that in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter four, the woman at the well, John's Gospel, yeah. talking about water, a lot about water. But there's one other thing that's mentioned here that I think it's the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. Foot washing. And it's, it occurs in John. Yeah. And the, and Why don't the, you mention the, that the for us? Only, so in this story, you have the first mention of foot washing and an important figure meeting another important figure at a well. The only gospel that has the story of Jesus meeting a woman at a well, that's John 4, is also the only gospel that has the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet in John 13. Mm. And by the way, there's a big, uh, lots of water. You know, we've talked a lot about water imagery and provision. Um uh, I'll do a quick riff on this. That's huge in the Gospel of John, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, bat- Jesus baptizing uh, or being baptized by John the Baptist in John 1. Uh, John 2, first public miracle, water to wine. John 3. So someone- that's, oh, go that's ahead. water and provision. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, John 3, you have to be born of water and spirit. John 4, the woman at the well. Interestingly, their whole conversation starts with Jesus asking for a drink of water. The woman gets living water. Jesus never gets that drink. John 5, um, uh, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda, right? Mm-hmm. John 6, the walking on water and feeding people in a wilderness. That's very exodusy. Uh, it goes on and on and on until the crucifixion. And John's the only gospel at the crucifixion that has Jesus saying from the cross right before he dies, I am thirsty. Jesus never gets his drink. But he pours himself out, and when he dies, also only in John, he's stabbed with a spear, and blood like water flows because he's the ultimate mm. provision. The more yeah. you know, food for thought or water for thought. And just as like the symbolism of Rebecca here, of her willingness to water all these camels symbolizes her humility. Uh, and her submission to her family, things like that. Um, 
that's it's a symbolism even multiplied beyond that when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Mm. It's it's rather it it's the master himself that is then doing the washing and being identified yeah. uh, with the task of a servant. So it's huge here when Rebecca does it that she does the task of a servant for a servant. But it's even more so when uh, the master of all the universe himself stoops and washes the feet. So, man, the Bible's so rich, so much to talk about. Gandalf, we've certainly missed you. But, Caitlin, it has been a joy and a privilege to have these two episodes with you. I hope it works out for you to come back and do another episode with us. Uh, thank you. And if you uh, uh, get a chance, uh, you can write us in at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. If you'd like to send Caitlin an encouraging note, we will forward those on to her. Girl power. And be sure that uh, <laughs> that's right. She did, she did a wonderful job. And uh, if there are no further additions to this story, it's kind of hard to believe that we press forward in this story and Abraham is rapidly fading off of the visible stage in the story. Um, but uh, we know the Abraham mark never ends. Gone, but, but not uh, forgotten. God, that's right. So until next time, we want to say to all of our listeners, uh, see you next time. Shalom. <laughs>